Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a new school year. We are in it. We have been in it. I feel like we've had the last couple like school districts, right, that just started and it's like, what? I've already had like four or five IEPs. Yeah. <laughs> You're just starting your school. Year. I know. Well, and it's so weird for me because the school, the elementary school district where I live just went back. Like right. they were one of the last districts. So I didn't see kids like around like walking or take biking to school. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I would until like this week. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, whoa. And it's so crazy. I was talking about it with a few people at yoga this morning how many of these little kids like end of middle elementary school and middle school have electric bikes that they're bringing to school? Like, Oh, okay. And they're flying through the neighborhoods by themselves. Just doesn't seem safe. Those go fast. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like surprised that schools allow that, right? Like to come on campus with an E like high school, I guess I understand, but like Mm -hmm. these kids are like middle school, like some even maybe fifth grade. Oh, wow. Wild to me. Yeah. I mean, independence, I suppose. Uh, Just like showing us it's a new, a new era, I guess. I mean, I remember having to bike uphill both ways, guys. (laughs) I think I only biked like one summer, like I was taking driver's ed for summer school and high school. And I was like, I'm going to take a bike. And then I was one of those nerdy kids with a rack on the back of my bike to put my saxophone. Oh, I was going to say your books. (laughs) No, no. That's really funny. So you were like on your bike, like all the time. Like that's how you got to school. And when I say I went uphill both ways, like it's true because I had to go up a hill and then down to get to school. And then I had to go up that hill and down. Right, 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 right. That's funny. It's not fun. Like, and then there's a 7-Eleven on the way back. So you're always tempted to go into 7-Eleven and get some treat that you're not allowed to have. Yeah, they know what they're doing when they're right like, <laughs> yeah. from high school or junior high. That's so funny. Well, you know, as we're talking about school years, last time we had a solo episode, we had talked to you about, you know, initial assessments and IEPs and kind of prepping you for this school year. And today we wanted to kind of delve into just really quickly the different types of IEPs. Mm-hmm. So after your initial within that year, right? So if you had your initial on October 1st, 2021, then your annual IEP meeting is going to happen on October 1st, 2022. And this is the IEP in which you will review the initial goals that you had created the year before, check on progress, present levels, you know, all the regular stuff. Now, you can have an IEP, like we said, at parent request within 30 days. If something, you know, maybe your annual is in May, but you're having some issues in the fall. And so you want to have an IEP meeting. So those are just like those parent request ones, right? We call those the amendments. But the annual is is a little different. It is per the law. It has to happen. And we're checking in on everything, right? And it's a minimum annually. Mm -hmm. 
And one thing I want to note about this is the law requires it to be on or before that date. So like yes. a lot of school districts take this like super seriously to the point where then they say, okay, well, we're offering this date because, oh, your annual is due on this other date. So like we have to have it on this date. Right. And parents, I think, get a lot really pressured to mm-hmm. have that meeting on the date, even if it's not convenient for them, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't allow them to invite the people that they want to invite an advocate or a friend or a colleague or, you know, a home ABA person. So one thing I want to tell parents is that this deadline, while yes, it is true that they have to do it, that is a district obligation. Your right as a parent to have an IEP meeting at a mutually convenient Mm -hmm. time and place includes your availability and anyone you want to invite. So if you get a notice on the 10th and they say, your annual is due on the 13th. We have to have this meeting on the 12th. It's two days from now. And that does not give you time to take off time for work, invite the people you want to. You have a right to say, no, that is not a mutually convenient date and time for me. I need alternative dates. What the district will say to that is, but we have to have it by this date. So they do one of two things. Either they pressure you to do it on that date anyway, or they mm-hmm. say, well, we'll just have a part one and quote unquote, open the IEP right. and we'll have a part two right. later when you can attend. So there's two mm-hmm. things with that. One of them is you as a parent have a right to extend that timeline. So yeah. if you can't meet until the 15th and your due date is the 13th, you can say in writing, I am allowing the district to extend mm-hmm. the timeline to the 15th so that we can meet. Mm-hmm. And here's why I recommend that instead of not having them open up Mm -hmm. more often than not, I see teams open up the IEP. And for whatever reason, that part two doesn't happen for a month. So what Mm -hmm. happens the IEP date of that is say September 15th, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then you don't actually meet, you don't actually discuss the goals and present levels Mm -hmm. until October 15th. So now you have goals that haven't been presented that haven't been consented to by parents until a month later. So mm-hmm. now the IEP says the 15th of September. Mm-hmm. So when you have your annual next year, it's going to be the September 15th. Mm-hmm. So now you're losing a month. Now we only have 11 months instead of 12 to make progress on these goals. So it's not appropriate. Now, mm-hmm. if it's a day or two, not that big of a deal, but more often than not, I see them. I actually have an opposing counsel I'm dealing with right now who is fighting me on this saying, well, the annual date is what it is. And I'm like, that's not- I've had so many annual IEP dates change. Like mom or dad will be like, well, he used to have his annual in, you know, February, but now it's in October. And it's like, maybe because we had to do new assessments, <clears throat> they made a change of placement, you know, they completely changed goals. And so then it's just like, oh, now your annual is this, like, it's not stagnant. It, no, it, it can change. Shift, like, and it could shift like a couple weeks each year. And so then it goes from September totally. to all of a sudden mm-hmm. January. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. The most important thing is that you are meeting to review and these goals are meant, they're designed, developed, written to make progress in a year's time. So if you're not giving it a year's time, and I've had cases where it's been, it takes three months to finish the annual, but the date on mm-hmm. the goals for starting mm-hmm. is that first date. And mm-hmm. that's just not appropriate. So, right. Right. you know, we really encourage you as parents to raise these concerns and to really say, look, if you're not willing to change the date of that goal, then we need to maybe change those goals. But right. really, you have a right to have a year's worth of progress on a goal. So you Absolutely. should have a year's worth of working on that goal. 
yeah, it helps the district as well. They have more time, right? So we're saying annual. Some districts have moved to calling IEPs plan reviews. We're going to be talking about very quickly triennial um, evaluations every, you know, three-year review or eligibility review or, or yeah. something eligibility or like, which I guess that's kind of, it's calling it like it is, right? I think the three year, it it makes sense. Once you have your initial, and I was just explaining this to a client this morning, once you have your initial IEP within three years, the school is reevaluating your child. So doing a lot of those same assessments and just tracking the progress, right? With that data goals and things are one thing with the data. And we're not, you know, looking to see that they don't have the disability anymore or anything like that. It's just collecting data on that scientific level. And you're having these assessments because children change and there, you know, we may be seeing some more issues in the area of writing than we initially did or in speech and language, or maybe the child now needs occupational therapy. Those triennials are that kind of opportunity for any additional concerns for parent to express so that assessments can happen and also for the team to kind of get back together and maybe make some changes to placement. Now, again, annuals, you can make changes to everything, but when you have more data and information, a change might be warranted at that point. Right. So I would say for triennials, if your initial IEP, let's say your kid is younger and they didn't assess in all areas. So for instance, you're three to five and you're not yet in kindergarten. So the main assessment was speech and language mm-hmm. and they didn't do a full comprehensive assessment and you received speech and language only. Mm-hmm. And then three years go by, we're in kindergarten and the district says, yeah, we're going to reevaluate. But the problem is that they take the same assessment plan a lot of times and they do the same assessments over. Well, once you hit five, once you hit an academic, essentially placement as kindergarten, first grade, you now should be looking at more areas. So when you have your triennial, when you are provided with your assessment plan, especially if it's like your second one, make sure that all areas that you feel need to be assessed are checkmarked on that assessment plan. Because I do see that from time to time where we're just not looking at all areas because we didn't look the previous time. But if it really has been three years since the assessment, most likely there's things that are different. Maybe there is areas that we assessed before that no longer need to be assessed because they're not an area of concern. Um, so that is something that you, you as a parent can request. And same with, you can request an IEP assessment Exactly. But it's just these like minimum times, right, that these things need to happen. And a quick tip, because this is also applicable to the kiddo that I had an IEP meeting for today, and we talked about triennials, and this is going to be his first one. We want to make sure, even if it doesn't hit the three year, maybe it's been two years, even a year. If your kiddo is a senior and they are going to be graduating, mm-hmm. we want to have assessments. We want to be able to, in another case of mine where I have a senior, they had reached out and they're like, hey, you know, we had just done her initial. We don't think her eligibility is going to change. We would like to say, let's skip these assessments, you know, because we think everything is fine and we don't need to do them. And you as a parent can completely agree to that. But here's why, especially if they're seniors, we say, no, do the assessments. When those kiddos go to community college, college, even into the workforce, they should have fresh, quote unquote, assessments that 
show what their unique needs are, their learning styles and things like what that. accommodations they're receiving. What accommodations. When you are looking for SAT accommodations, when you're looking to beyond that in college, going to the student support center, you have to show a history of disability, unique learning need, and accommodations you're not going to get the same accommodations in college. There's not going to be people that are implementing services. You're not going to have, you know, specialized academic instruction, but you have the opportunity to have accommodations. So extra time on tests, tests in a quiet area, things like that. But they require that, you know, it doesn't have to be a long one. Cause obviously if you just got your IEP, your senior year, that's enough. But for these kiddos that maybe got their IEP freshman year and then, you know, senior year, take advantage of the evaluation so that they have everything and it's fresh, right? If it's maybe their junior year, you know, that might be okay. Well, I have seen some colleges say it cannot be older than a year. Oh, okay. So So then that's, yeah. Yeah. So if you think about it, you enter school, you're probably going to the student services department in August or September. Right. So (laughs) if you did not have that assessment done in your senior year, if it was done in your senior year, that's not new for most of these schools. And even if you're going into the workforce, I Mm -hmm. still recommend, like, I almost say like, if anyone is getting a diploma and they're not going on to the last four years of vocational transition. Yeah. Right. I recommend you always have an assessment in your senior year, unless you really don't think that they're going to need accommodations in college, which, I mean, if you have an IEP, you probably will want it. So right. that's best practices. And if the school says, well, you know, you're leaving, so we don't have to do it. Yeah, cold your ground. They do have yeah. to do it. If, as long before. Now, I would say the last time you should, like the latest you should request it is probably like February of your graduation year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do need 60 days. And you don't want it to fall in the last month of school when they're having all those senior activities and it's mm-hmm. not, you know, a valid. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you request it in February, you're probably going to have them start in March. It gets you done in that still core time of schooling that you're going to get it done before. If you can get it done in the, the fall of senior year, that's great too, especially yeah. if you're more academic classes in the fall right. than spring, right. you know, just things yeah. to consider. Absolutely. Um, so then the last kind of IEP, we talked about addendums, we talked about annuals, we talked about triennials, um, is a transition IEP. And now I know we've talked about transition IEPs right. before, and we mm-hmm. put a lot of emphasis on the transition that uh, the transition meeting that occurs before the school year is over. But one thing now that we're in this beginning of a school year, I want to remind parents about the transition IEP at the beginning of a school year. If your child entered a new school, whether it's they just started middle school or high school, if they went to a new school, if they started a new program, the school is required to have an IEP within 30 days, the new school, to see how is it going? How did the transition go? And also, are there any changes we need to make to the IEP? Because even if that new team was at the IEP at the the end of the school year, they don't know your child, right? They haven't been working with your child. Everything that we're doing at that end of the school year IEP is hypothetical. We are assuming things will happen a certain way and that your child will react a certain way to the new school, the new placement, whatever it may be. We don't know. So it's really important to have this meeting. And I feel like in the realm of COVID, some schools have had amnesia because the amount of transition IEPs I've requested (laughs) in the last month that I've like, told, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't understand. But if you're new to the school, if you're new to the program, have a transition IEP within the first 30 days to determine 
are changes, do changes need to be made to this IEP to fit this new program? Just really important to know. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's a very blue moon when we've gone to transition IEP meetings where the teacher that the kiddo was going to have the following year, all the relevant people, like let's, for instance, say the middle school, like I've gone to a couple IEPs like that and they're fantastic because we make all the changes then. And then we either say, look, if anything happens, you know, let's have an IEP meeting or his annual is already going to be in October so this is perfect or they go okay within 30 days let's let's mark it on the calendar now awesome again best practice probably that a lot of people do it that way and not everybody does it which we would contend that you need to for the law but i think if it's semantics you just say look i need to have a 30-day iep meeting they're new to the school i have you know we're already seeing issues with x y and z like we have not had a problem man and i getting 30-day iep meetings or transition iep meetings but it's just something that we wanted to let you guys know about and you know box exactly in your toolbox. So, you know, keep fighting the good fight, you know, as the school year rolls on, we'll, we'll do a lot of more of these kind of little vignettes. We've been getting a lot of great topics in our DMs and via our Facebook group. So please keep them coming. And yeah. we have a lot of great guests that'll be on as well. So, you know, as always, we appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.